I had a lot of comments, questions from people this week with regards to what we were talking about. And I can't cover it in one week or two or maybe even three. The topic is huge, isn't it? Listening, hearing, perceiving God's word, the ways in which we can do that. And, you know, we're all different, all different. People hear in different ways. And today I'll cover what I perceive to be some of the biggest problems that people face in terms of you personally hearing from God, okay, for yourself. Look at this. You can hear from God yourself individually for your relationship directly from him. There's God, there's you. And the communication is not through anybody else. Doesn't have to be, could be, but it doesn't have to be. The communication for relationship is personal and it's one-to-one. So God says to you, I love you. Amen. And you say back, I love you too. Don't need anybody to go through. There is one mediator between God and man. Who's that? That's right. For what? For relationship. But the whole thing about hearing from God breaks down because of a failure on the next one. When we hear from God in terms of authority, it's a different structure. Right? This structure, the church was created by God. God invented the church. He believes in the church. I believe in the church. So when you get a word, typically for the authority, a directive word perhaps, or a corrective word, then that comes from God, not normally directly to you, but from God primarily through the church structure, the fivefold, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, then through maybe your local leaders, and then, I'm sorry you're so small, I ran out of space on the page, right? Then ultimately to you. But failure of appreciation of these two things, of the understanding of these, you know, two methods that God uses, causes many, many, many people to lose their hearing because they think that they themselves can hear from God in terms of directive words, in a way that is detached from the church. Are you with me? So always, by all means, seek God, of course. And seek God for personal words, personal guidance. That's fantastic. You will be edified like the potato we showed you last week. But don't ever, 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 ever underestimate the importance of you being submissive to the structure. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Okay? If you get that point right, I've got that point right. I know I have. And that one, that one thing saves me a gazillion griefs and confusions and everything else just by being submissive to God's structure. The most common question I got asked this week is, okay, I've sought God. I hope you have. Did you? <laughs> I've sought God. I've got a word. Now what? Now what do I do? Right? How do I bring that word out? And if you look at Hebrews... Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 9, we get a very nice explanation, a balanced explanation of what we should do when we receive a word from God. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work 
and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for you may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those, and this is the punchline, to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what is promised. Through faith and patience. People, it's talking here, it's a great chapter and many chapters that follow. It's talking about people who successfully receive a word. No problem. They got the first bit right. But just getting a word is no good, right? On its own. You need to be able to bring that word to fruition so that you will receive what was promised. And what does that require? It requires two other things to be added to the word that you've just got. And scripture is littered with people who failed with that. I mean, Joseph, as we saw last week, Joseph gets a word that he's going to rule over his brothers and sisters, but he doesn't have the faith and patience to wait, right? And he nearly gets killed because of it. Moses knew that he would be the leader over Egypt. But he didn't have the faith and patience to wait for God to do that his way. Right. And so when you get the word very often, that word is long before it's time. And most of the hassle, most of the failures, most of the troubles we bring upon ourselves are caused by us preempting or not having the patience or the faith to see the word to fruition. So today's message for me, it's, it's one of my favorite messages actually. I love this. I have needed this. I was a very impatient man years ago. I have changed enormously in regard to this. But I don't think you can have a happy, successful Christian life, or life for that matter, without this ingredient. Amen? Amen. Two of the most successful businessmen on this planet, Warren Buffett, and Donald Trump. Donald Trump with a funny hair. You know the one? Both of them were asked, what would you say? Sum up in one word what makes a successful business. And to my shock, right? Both men, when challenged to condense it to one word, both men shot back the same word. It is patience. You need to listen to that, right? They both understood as they saw Millions of people fail when they not only succeeded once, they succeeded multiple times. They had come to realize patience is the essential ingredient that so many people miss. Now, if I could have my first slide up there. I've given you a list of, for me, some things that becoming a patient person was a very much a long-term process for me. And I've experienced some of these firsthand with great pain and great suffering, and maybe you have too. And if I find it incredibly helpful to understand the mechanics of how patience works in me and then apply those mechanics to the words that I hear into my ministry. Look at that first point, for example. Patience is not a natural trait. Like Jeanette here is very patient, right? Thank God. <laughs> She's very patient, right? And I never was. And it would be the easiest thing in the world for me to say, well, she's born patient. And I'm born impatient. No, that is not true. Patience is not a natural trait. No child is born patient. When the baby is in the cot, it doesn't look at his watch at 2 o'clock in the morning. I won't cry now. Right? I'll wait till morning. No. 
Oh, human beings by nature are impatient beings. And the truth is, I would like to let myself off the hook by saying, well, you're like this and I'm like that. But that's an excuse that will do me no good whatsoever. The fact of the matter is, you learned patience. That's what you did. You were challenged by circumstances and they changed you. You gave in, right? And that is a good thing. And I too have been, I've been both sides of the fence and maybe some of you have too. I've been impatient and I've been patient and I know which one I would prefer. So don't give yourself that first excuse, right? Patience is not being indifferent. We won't go there this morning. A very good example in the Bible of Eli. Eli had two sons, remember? Good boys or bad boys? Bad boys. And they ended up dead. Eli had two sons, and the two sons' behavior was appalling, terrible. What did Eli do? The Bible says he sat back on his chair, rocking on his chair, watching it. And Eli probably said in his mind, well, I'm just a very patient dad. No, Eli. Number two and number three. You're actually being indifferent, right, to the end result to your children. And you're being weak. Do you understand? Amen. So don't, again, <laughs> call yourself a patient person because you avoid the horrible discipline, right? Does any parent enjoy disciplining their children? No. 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 Horrible. Terrible. But you have to do it right. You have to do it. And it, again, you know, grow into these things. It's not being indifferent, not being weak. It's not avoiding the... the you know, challenges of life that come, as, come at us in that way. It's not a gift, so I can't pray to God and ask someone to lay hands on me, right? And I'll receive the gift of patience. No, not going to come that way. It's actually a fruit of the Spirit, right? Amen. It's something I grow into, something I myself must develop. And lastly, on this list of what it is not, I need to get these out of my psyche so that they don't trip me up as excuses. So that true Patience, and you'll see in a moment, true patience that comes from God actually embeds itself in me, and that is a, a great way to be. The last one, it doesn't mean that you'll never be angry. You say, well, a, a patient person never, you know, displays wrath. No. Did Jesus display wrath? Yeah. But Jesus has eternal patience. Jesus' patience never runs out. So when he made that quip and he cleared that temple, had he lost his patience? No. <laughs> no, he had not lost his patience. I mean, we had someone in this church, a bad boy, you know, and some of the pastors here were saying, you should do this, you should do that, you should do that, you should do this, you should make a whip, <laughs> right? Okay, 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 be, be, be patient, be patient, be patient, be patient, be patient, be patient. And I remember one day, two of our guys here, two of our pastors asked to talk to me. And they said, how much patience are you going to have? How much? And I, the penny dropped for me. Oh, I see. You've run out of patience. And you think that the behavior is going to cause me. No. And I, I said, sit down, sit down. Let me explain something to you. I will never run out of patience. I will never run out of patience for this person. Never. 
if my behavior changes, it's not because of that. If my behavior changes, it's because the attribute has changed, not a lack of patience. You're, mis you're, you're judging me and you're misunderstanding what I'm doing. The people of Israel, they were in grace, patience. Let's call it grace, okay? They were living under the grace of God, but they were bad, right? But God remained faithful, okay? But he couldn't continue <laughs> remaining faithful. Remember Job chapter 1, where Job goes before God and says, God, you're going to have to judge these people. But God was incredibly long, like thousand years. But in the end, God doesn't run out of grace. But the Satan said to God, you're a holy God. You have to judge. And God said, that's right. And I will at the right moment. And eventually God brought judgment. But he never ran out of patience. Huh? And then they repented and then they got back into grace. Do you understand? So we should not have a concept in our mind that otherwise we remain in the driving seat and our patience becomes a human thing. It is not a human thing if you run out of it. Not a human thing. It's an attribute of God. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Right? It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit that produces endless, fathomless oceans of patience within me. And believe me, you're going to need that. Right? Produces that within me. And then out of that and only out of that can you actually truly minister you know, the love of God as we'll see in a moment. So that's what patience is not. Next slide, please. What is it? What patience is, okay? You could call it a calm, toleration, and ability just not to put, you know, deadlines. Some of the things I've put on here. The ability to let go. The ability to accept God saying yes or God saying no. Is it okay if God says no? <laughs> Are you sure? Are you really sure? You need to be willing to let God say yes, right? And to let God say no. And patience is a trait that will enable you. And I mean, I like the last one, you know. No deadlines. Patience is, I mean, towards God, is the ability to let God say whatever he wants without setting deadlines. And I have people come to me with deadlines all the time. Pastor, if God doesn't do this by that date, <laughs> I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that. Easy, 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 easy. Easy does it. And now I've used deadlines in my life, but you've got to be very careful with them. So listen closely, folks. Gideon's fleece, remember? That's like a deadline there, you know. But Gideon put that fleece out for one reason. To make sure that he was doing what God wanted. Not to try and get out of it. There's a difference. He wasn't testing God. He was reassuring himself and asking God to make sure that he was doing the right thing. There's another type of fleece, which is trying to do what we want. And as I say, many people here come and they say, you know, Pastor, if God doesn't do this by the end of January or the end of February or whatever, then I will know that I can go and do what I want. <laughs> right? That's no good. That's no good. That, that's like a deadline of the wrong sort. Now, I, I have used deadlines, and God has blessed me with them. In fact, the one time in our lives when we were not in ministry for a period of the last 22 years or whatever was a very short period in Liverpool, as I've told you. And I was confused at that time. I didn't know 
do you want me, do you want me to go back into ministry, out of ministry? We'd only been out for a very short time. But my heart was right. I was willing to do what God wanted. I just didn't know. Been there? Amen. I'm willing to do what God wants. I just don't know what to do. So in that situation, I did set a deadline. I set a deadline of the end of that year. I said, God, if you want me to go back into ministry, I'm asking you to speak to me by the end of this year. I think that was about May or June or something like that. It was a stupid thing to do, to be honest with you. I should have said the end of this day. I said the end of the year. So March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. You know what I'm going to say. December, the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. And to be honest, I'd just about forgotten about the whole thing. I had resigned in my head. I thought this is pretty obvious where this is going. And this is what happened. December the 31st, New Year's Eve, 3 o'clock in the afternoon or so, the first email I'd ever received from Pastor Rick Seward. I was, I was shocked. Very short, very simple. God has just spoken to me that you are to do A, B, C in ministry. I'm offering you a full-time post. If you reject it, you're wrong because I know that I've heard from God. Wow, I was shocked at that. Right at the 11th hour. So God has, he will use deadlines, but you need to be very careful of them that, they're, that, that it's not you controlling things. You understand me? First, make sure that your heart is willing to do whatever it is that he's asking you to do. Because, hey, the rigors of life your deadlines may see you leave the purposes of God, leave the will of God. I had a group of elders in Dublin who were Romanians. And uh, I got a phone call one day saying, we're going to come and pick you up. We need to bring you to a meeting. And there was no meeting. What meeting? We've got a meeting. We want you to come to the meeting. Okay, I'll come to the meeting. And they picked me up, took me across the city, took me into this house. And I don't know what is happening. I go into a back room in this house and surprise, surprise, Here's the entire leadership team of the church. Hello, what are you doing here? And they're all sitting with bundles of papers on their lap. The guy who does the accounts has the accounts. The guy in discipleship's got the discipleship thing. What's happening? And Monica, the pastor, got up and he said, Pastor Mike, we told God <laughs> that if the church didn't behave itself, if the church didn't turn around, that we were handing the church back to you. We're not going to lead this. And he began to pick up the accounts and pick up the charity and pick up the stuff. And he came over to me and he put it on my knee. And he said, now, <laughs> that's yours. You're in charge of this whole thing from now on. Well, I tell you, I got up. I went to the accountant. There's your accounts. Thank you very much. There's your stuff. There's your stuff. Not so easy, guys. Not so easy. So you think because you get a tough day. That you can walk through the door, is it? Is that it? It's not that simple. It's not that easy. And I am so glad that I did that. Those men didn't know what to do. So I told them what to do. Take your stuff and go back to your position. Now. And they said, okay. <laughs> yeah. If I can remember correctly, I think that church was probably about 70 members. That church grew to 300. Same leaders, same leaders. 
simply because they had set, in my opinion, it was a very wrong deadline. It was walking away from the fight, from the battle like we looked at a few weeks ago. You understand, folks, be, be careful with being patient, right, with all things, churches, and, of course, yourself. 1 Samuel, take a look at this, 1 Samuel chapter 26, 1 Samuel 26, 7 to 11, this brilliant scripture here concerning patience. This is David operating in enormous wisdom and enormous patience towards God and Saul. So David and Abishai went to the army by night, and there was Saul lying asleep inside the camp with his spear stuck in the ground near his head. Abner and the soldiers were lying around him. Abishai said to David, Today God has delivered your enemy into your hands. Now let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. Not much grace there, eh? I won't strike him twice. <coughs> but David said to Abishai, Don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? As surely as the Lord lives, he himself the Lord will strike him or his time will come and he will die or he will go into battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that you should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now get the spear and let's basically get out of here. Thank you. That's just such a fantastic scripture giving us an insight into just how deep David's understanding was of the nature of God and indeed the nature of patience. Take a look at this. Shout out to me the ingredients. Flour. Keep going. Yeast. Salt. Water. Sugar. Not too much. Okay. There's loads of ingredients. And yet, what do we call it? Bread. So one product. One product. But actually... It's deceptive because within it, there's many ingredients. Can you have bread without flour? No. Can you have patience without faith? No. You need faith to have patience. And David, when we just read that scripture, here's David. He's supposed to be the king, right? And David's a good guy, but there's a bad guy who's king. And David had every, inverted commas, moral, you know, right to kill him. But he didn't do it. Instead, he had faith that God himself will deal with the situation. You understand? Very good. Very good understanding. David had love, which scripture says is love is patient. He had discernment of what to do. He had the wisdom of what to do. He had the strength of character to ignore his men and tell them we will not kill the Lord's anointed, blah, blah, blah. I think it, is, it shows an enormous depth within him of the actual ingredients of patience. You can't have patience without faith. He had great faith to believe that God himself will do it. In other words, what David was saying, how can I put it? See if, one of, see if, a, see if the child from another family does something wrong in here. Don't discipline them. <laughs> go and talk to the parent. Do you want a piece of advice? <laughs> it, it doesn't go down too good, you know. Do you understand me? You go and talk to the parents of that child and you tell the parents because if you try to discipline that child 
What's going to happen to you? You're going to get your head chopped off. Right. It normally doesn't go well unless you've got permission, unless you've been given permission to discipline that child. It is the job of the parents to discipline the child. Amen. Amen. This is what's happening here. David says God is his father and God himself will sort him out. But woe betide me if I try to do it. You understand? There's a depth of understanding there. There's a patience. There's a knowledge, a deep knowledge, that I believe that is what I'm looking for. The spirit of God, the patience of God himself. My last list there, please, Maru. These are reasons why patience is important. Essential for obedience to God. Like I said at the beginning, Moses screwed up. Joseph screwed up. Forgive me for repeating examples, folks, but that's how I ended up here. I asked Pastor Rick, if you remember, when I was in Dublin, I said, I want to go to the church in Glasgow. And he gave a very swift off with his head. No, you know, and that required me to be biblically wise. I had to know what to do. What are you, what are you going to do? If you get a no, what are you going to do? I'll tell you what I did. I went outside on my own, silently, and I spoke to God. I said, God, I will obey him. I know what I want, God, but I also know how to get it. And it's no benefit to me to break your rules. You invented the church, not me. So I will obey. Not only will I obey, I will obey with a fantastic attitude and I will not put a foot wrong in terms of what I am asked to do. And that is exactly what I did. And I worked on for two years, you know, just put it out of my mind. And we ended up in Los Angeles on a missions trip. And you know the story. Phenomenal. We ended up, <laughs> hallelujah, I ended up in the room where the interview was taking place for the guy who was supposed to be your pastor. A guy called John McLaughlin, pastor of a church in L.A. And I ended up in that room because that was Rick's only chance to see him. And I boldly, maybe, asked one question. I, I said, excuse me, John, <clears throat> could I ask you a question? Do you love Glasgow? Do you love the church in Glasgow? And he's a big, fat American. Any Americans here? Sorry. <laughs> Rocking back in his chair. Ah, oh, no, no, I don't love it. No, I think I'd go for maybe a year. Might enjoy it. Then come back here. Thank you very much. That's the answer I wanted. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and we got outside, you know. Rick was absolutely furious at me. Furious. <laughs> what right have you got to ans- ask that question? Slammed his door, driving off. And he turned to me and he said, okay, okay, okay. He's not the guy. That's what I wanted to hear. Thank you very much. <laughs> All things in good time, right? But it's only, you know, that was a miracle. That was a miracle that you end up on the other side of the room. Do you understand? You're living in Ireland, and you end up on the other side of the room, all because you obeyed that. Simple as that. When you obey this, God just cannot sit still. He's got to get into your life. He's got to give you what is right. Okay? But once you start dabbling with it, once you lose patience, Moses, once you lose patience, Joseph, then you nullify the work of God. Right? So let him be, let the structure be. Patience is essential for obedience to God. It is vital for good relationship. Love is? Love is patient. And if you intend to be loved, or if you intend to love, 
What do you need? <laughs> yeah, it's one of these guys. It's one of the ingredients. So you understand, not, not, not just for ministry, but just for a healthy life, to be patient with people. It is staggering the lack of patience human beings have for one another. Amen? Amen. And I, I, I can be bad as well. I hate standing in Asda, you know, or in Tesco's, and there's a woman in front of me. It's normally a woman. I'm just tell them the way it is, you know. <laughs> and she's got all this stuff, right? And they get all this stuff out. And she has her bag. She puts the bag, pull all the stuff out. And she stands talking to the teller. I think, just do your job. Just do your job. Just do your job. And they talk about the weather and they talk about this. And then they say, you know, that will be 50 pounds, please. Then, then, <laughs> then the woman picks up her bag. Then she opens it and she pulls out another bag. And then she pulls out another bag, like a Russian doll, and then another one. <laughs> then she gets the purse. And she, how much was it? It's 52 pounds. You heard what the woman said. Just pay it. Right? It drives me crazy. And we're all different. So different things, you need to be aware. Different things will be different triggers for different people. Human beings are notoriously impatient with one another. And that has tragic consequences. Uh, Jeanette always used to say to me, I'll never forget the statement when I first met her. Before you judge someone, always remember this. There's at least one thing that you don't know about that person. Very good line. Kind of a real godly line, a real deep line. Before you judge people, always remember there's at least one thing that you don't know about that person. Remember Stephen Covey's example on the train? I love that example. That's a fantastic Stephen Covey. He's a bit of a philosopher in America. And this guy sitting on a train and on gets a father and his two children. And the, the, the father sits down on a seat on a train and puts his head down like this. You see? And the kids start running up and down the carriage, screaming, shouting, jumping on the furniture. And the father does nothing. And this other passenger gets impatient. Sort your kids out. Deal with your kids. And in the end, he can't take it anymore. So he gets up and he goes and he taps the guy. Excuse me. Excuse me, sir. Don't you think you could do a better job of looking after these kids? And slowly the head comes up. And the man has tears flowing down his face. He's shot. Oh. And the man says, sir, normally they're very good kids. But their mother, my wife, has just died. We've just left the hospital right now. And they don't know how to handle that. And neither do I. So, excuse me. And down he went. <laughs> I'll look after the kids. <laughs> so quick. So quick to make a judgment based on surface issues without the full story or the full information. Are we guilty or not? We are absolutely guilty of it. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is long-suffering. Love will ask, you know the thing to do in that situation? <clears throat> Excuse me, sir. Can I help? I'm not sure what's wrong here, but do you want to tell me? Ask. You know, be investigative. Look at the situation and let love do its work. Point five, you will see the value of timing. A good example like I just gave there for LA in America. Important for prayer, create stability 
enables us to endure suffering. And for me, probably the most important one for me, is it's an attribute of God. And I, I want that attribute. I want to seek after that attribute and see if I can establish it, build it within myself. Because my last slide is really the punchline for all of us. And this, there's a very specific order here. Oh, who changed my order? Wow, that's amazing. I can't believe that. Who put God at number one? Did you change that? Okay, that's crazy. I don't agree with that. I, I think it starts here, you know. I can't believe that. So, whoa, praise the Lord, never mind. You see, I don't believe it starts with God with this. I believe it starts with yourself, okay? With you being patient with yourself and understanding yourself and accepting yourself and then letting God be God. And with those two things together, if you, if you can't love the man that you can see, how can you love the God you... If you can't be patient with the person that you look at in the mirror every day, don't tell me that you can be patient with the God that you can't see. And I believe there's a fundamental building block here within you, within human nature, that you learn to be patient with yourself, or you'll never be patient with other people, right? Amen. Be patient with God. Next week, we'll cover more of this in a more extended way. And ultimately, we then share that patience with others. Now, I don't know where you're at, but I have come through a painful road on this one. My dad was an incredibly impatient person. He died at 95, a very patient person. He went through the rigors and the, the changes that were required to do that. And my warning to you is that Scripture says that you will not inherit the promises of God. You will not be able to see your word that God gives you fulfilled in your life unless you add the ingredients to that word, the flower, if you like, add the ingredients of faith and patience. I believe this is an increasingly impatient society. And we're supposed to go against the flow. Amen? Amen. Let me just invite the worship team back. I want to give you a second just to, to bow your heads there and to do an assessment of your own, your own life and the words that you have received. The words that just focus on God one moment. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, if you have spoken to us in the past, and like Moses, we ran at it, or like Joseph, we preempted you, and we had no faith and no patience to wait like David, we ask you to forgive us this morning. And to come and speak again. Speak your word, Lord. And we know we can't get a, a gift of patience, as it were. But we can work at it as a gift of your spirit. So come, Holy Spirit. Patience begins at home, folks. So I ask you to be patient towards your family, towards your husbands, towards your wives, towards your children, towards your neighbors. And then in this church, to be patient with one another. I just give you a moment to make your peace with God on this topic, critical topic, that we would be a people who hear from you.